Well, hey, everybody, happy long weekend. Uh, if you are from Southridge historically, you know that this month of July uh, is pretty special because we take a break from your regularly scheduled communicators and hear from some outside voices in a series that we typically do called It Takes a Village, believing that we're not only part of a larger village, but it takes that village to help raise our spiritual family. This month, uh, we're gonna kind of put a little twist on that, but in the spirit of hearing from outside voices, I wanted to bring one in today to help us understand why we're gonna do what we're gonna do for the rest of the month. And so I wanna introduce you all to a good friend of mine, longtime friend of mine, uh, an area pastor named John Garner. John, thanks so much for being here today. Hey, great to be here, Jeff. Can yeah. you, uh, first things first, uh, just give us a bit of background on yourself, sure. where you come from, what the deal is with yeah. your life and history and all so, that? Raised mainly in St. Catharines, started a career selling menswear at Jack Nash's great store for <laughs> men and women, uh, then went to seminary in 1976, and then in the late 80s, my wife and I, Peg, came and we launched Harbor Fellowship Church as a church plant and retired just over a year and a half ago from full-time pastoral work out of Redeemer Church in the Falls. So I work part-time now with our association of churches called the Associated Gospel Churches, just trying to build into younger leaders, try to be a listening ear. But the other cool thing I do is one day a week, I'm back at the menswear store in St. Catharines, Jack Nash, that I started full-time almost 49 years ago when I was still a teenager. Wow. And so two sons, three grandsons, and that's kind of where we're at today. Just to be clear here, the, the Jack Nash is not for income, it's for staying current on the styles, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, <laughs> because I get a really yeah. good discount <laughs> on my clothes. I, I, I know you well enough. Hey, what's your history with Southridge or with, I'll call it our church, because yeah, yeah. your history was even before we were called Southridge. Absolutely. My history was with you, Chris Fowler and Mike Krause, and I was in, involved just in connecting as we were developing Harbor, and you young guys were saying, can we just have conversation? And, um, and what I remember when I was thinking about this is I remember picnic tables at Harvest Barn. Yeah, we're talking kind of between our two. Absolutely, and it was amazing because we were all a lot younger, and uh, and I remember that honestly, Jeff, like it were yesterday, yeah. sitting out, you know, with our unwrapping the plastic wrap sandwiches yeah. and just talking. Yeah. So my main connection was with you three guys and then just kind of keeping in touch over the years. Yeah, so uh, in our early years of ministry, not knowing anything about anything, uh, Chris and Mike and myself uh, reached out to a few mentors and locally, you were kind of our guy. And like you said, we were so close together yeah, yeah. that uh, you would make time available for us. And uh, John actually was the officiant mm -hmm. at uh, mine and Becky's wedding. Yes. Uh, we couldn't have it at Fairview Louth at the time. Yeah. The facility was too small, so uh, Harbor uh, allowed us to use their facility. And uh, you and yeah. Peggy, your wife, yeah. uh, along with really John and Viola Eckert, our former pastor yeah. at Fairview Louth, kind of served as marriage mentors for yeah. us. And so saying we go way back is kind yeah. of an understatement. Absolutely. But you and I have been up to some shenanigans lately. Yeah. Uh, share with our community what's kind of brought us together recently. Well, we had talked, and you'll probably remember, I was cycling uh, by your house probably last year at around this time. We live less than a mile. Yeah, apart, right? absolutely. And we just had a great chat in your backyard and just talking about church life and emerging leaders, just kind of all things related to church ministry. 
And then you gave me a call and said, you know, we're doing this Leaders Village, creating this, and would you be interested as, as an older guy in ministry at just pouring into kind of the emerging young men and women that God is giving some gifts to? And uh, you invited me into that, and, and I thought that's something I have such a passion for because I was once young like you and, you know, the others, and, um, and just felt that was an honor to be asked, but also I really felt a sense of stewardship. You know, in all of our journeys, we have those stories of great joy, but also those stories of pain and lessons learned. And you gave me the opportunity on these Sunday nights to be able to just be part of a Q&A with you that hopefully to be a beacon along the way and to encourage, because what I remember is when we met well over 20 years ago, just your hunger to learn. I remember that with you guys, this insatiable desire to pick my brain. There wasn't a whole lot to pick, but you picked away. And, um, and so just to be able to do that with the next wave of young leaders, you know, 25 years on, um, that's what really stirred me to be involved in building and working with you on this. To be clear, that was our hunger not to be completely clueless. Right. So, <laughs> um, John mentioned a term, though, and we should probably clarify it, uh, when he talked about the leader's village. So if you don't know, uh, Southridge has, over the last year or so, uh, essentially birthed a little bit of a new ministry called the leader's village, specifically to help kind of shore up our leadership development investments around Southridge and at the same time to steward some leadership development of investments as Southridge with the broader uh, kind of Christian community, local churches and leaders, and then to partner with other churches, leaders, ministries, agencies to do numbers one and two better together than we could alone. And so as we've been trying to shore up the at Southridge side, uh, one of the spokes of you know really intentional leadership development is with our emerging gen. Yeah. And so as we were talking, you know, I had this idea it's not the brightest idea, but it's been fun to, to expose our emerging gen to the mentor who mentored yeah. us when we were in our 20s. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we had a young leader, Courtney LaBelle, willing to kind of coordinate this for us and throw out the invites to people between the ages of 18 and 29-ish. And uh, so hopefully if you're in that age group, you received some correspondence from Courtney to invite you to one of these. But the first Sunday of every month, uh, from starting in May, from 5 to 7 p.m., we've hosted this, we originally wanted to call it Pizza with the Pastors, but Courtney learned that that was kind of intimidating uh, among our emerging gen, probably because you're intimidating. Yeah. And he laughs. Definitely knows me well enough. But, uh, you know, now we're calling it Emerging Gen Pizza Nights. Uh, we've got another one coming up next Sunday because it's a long weekend. Got it coming up next Sunday, July the 10th will be our next one. Yeah. And so we've been doing this for the, the last couple of months, trying to just breathe some energy into our emerging gen. I guess my, my question, I was so fascinated by this because you were so interested in doing it. It was like a snap call. Yeah, I would yeah. love to do this. Yeah. Where that heart came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great question, Jeff. I think when I look back, I'm going to be 69 this year, and I've been in ministry in various stages for about 45 years. And when I was thinking about this conversation, I realized even without the language of mentoring that my mom poured 
into my life as a young 20-something who had come back after a very prodigal existence here in St. Catharines, came back to faith in the early 70s. She built into my life. But also in my early years of ministry, again, the whole conversation about mentoring, it was so sparse. Now, that might have been just my denomination, that that was kind of language and concept that they just weren't into. I really felt bereft of that kind of who can I turn to as a 20-something pastor when I was less, I was even more clued out than you guys were (laughs) when we met. And so I think what excited me was you've got young guys and gals that are saying, we want to learn. We are teachable. Because I saw that with you, Chris and Mike, 25 years ago, this, again, this insatiable desire to learn and to grow. And so when you invited me to be part of this, I thought, of course, because I've had people in my journey, interesting, Jeff, it's more in my 50s and 60s, men like Gordon McDonald that I had conversations with, that helped me in my kind of going into the last chapter. Wish I would have had that 40 years ago, but didn't. So that almost like a holy discontent moment of, this is what these younger people are needing. They just need some of us older men and women to listen and to be able to answer with honesty and with hopefully some hard-earned wisdom. So it was one of the easiest yeses I've given to a request. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's borne out in the two Sunday nights, just the, the intelligence of questions. And one of the things we've talked about that I thought is very encouraging they're asking more questions than just trying to give us their opinions, yeah, yeah. right? We've chatted about that. Yeah. And that's such a sign of, of just kind of a maturity, even as a younger person that's saying, I want to learn from others. Yeah. Yeah. I want to have that posture of humility and teachability with intention. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that I would want to honor is your heart for what we've called around here, generational transfer, Mm -hmm. this ongoing continuity of generations pouring into each other. Think about in Psalm 79 and verse 13, it says, then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will praise you forever from generation to generation. We will proclaim your praise. And, you know, church is not intended to be, you know, simply for a single target audience and one and done, there's supposed to be a continuity of legacy and investment and, you know, ultimately a unity and diversity among generations that I feel like you've been passionate for when I was in my 20s and you're still passionate for for people who are in their 20s today that we've been able to leverage, which has been super cool. The other thing, though, that you talked about is, is this value of teachability. You know, you know, when you think about when we were in our 20s, you're saying that we brought some of that to the table. You're, you're pleased to see that that exists today. Why is that so important for someone who's, who's going to be in a mentoring mm, kind of dynamic? Yeah. Teachability is saying that I am here to engage with you and in kind of a, a mutual giving and taking. And so again, I think honestly, Jeff, I look back to the picnic tables at Harvest Barn, that you didn't come with an agenda of, um, I want to tell you, John, you know, things you need to learn. Not that, you know, I wanted to hear your story because it was ever evolving, but you wanted to learn. You know, I love the book of Proverbs 
because in the Proverbs, the writer is constantly saying, wise people continue to add to their wisdom. They're developing that storehouse of knowledge and insight and godly wisdom. And so again, I've experienced that with the, the crew you've brought together and Courtney has brought together. Again, just a high level of teachability. When people are teachable, they'll stretch, they'll risk, they'll sacrifice because they see that it's far more than just what they're gaining. It's what they're gaining to pour out into the lives of others. Yeah, we've said so often that emerging gen, not just this one, but certainly uh, it's a feature of this emerging gen. Often the emerging gen is pining for voice, like they want to be heard as opposed to be taught and listen. Right. And I think about, you talk about the Proverbs. Proverbs 18, 15 says, the intelligent person is always open to new ideas. In fact, they look for them. Yeah, like there's a proactivity yeah. to be taught, to be mentored, to be invested yeah. in that, that creates that humility and teachability where God can really do significant Absolutely. things. Uh, I know shifting gears, another real kind of value that we've tried to to embed in people is this this dynamic or this definition of leadership as the union of both authority and responsibility. And I think about in in 1 Peter 5, talk about Peter's message to the elders among you. I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. He says, be shepherds of God's flock, that is under your care, serving as overseers. Mm -hmm. Be shepherds of God's flock, serving as overseers. And we've talked in these two sessions about the difference between those words, but the non-coincidental nature of uniting them. That a shepherd with such a down and dirty, kind of a low-level role, an overseer with such a highly respected, esteemed position of authority, but those are used synonymously. Be shepherds serving as overseers, because in leadership, responsibility and authority are linked. And so one of the conversations we've been having with this emerging gen is that it's not just about having a voice, Mm -hmm. it's actually about assuming responsibility and out of that responsibility flows an authority, which I know is critical in this generational transfer process. And so, you know, from your perspective to all of us, not just to emerging gen, when you think about kind of the first generation, second generation sort of dynamic, you know, what happens when quite often we'll see this, the first generation is willing to hand over some responsibility, but wants to retain authority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happens there? I, I think one of the, the huge things that happens is profound frustration. So you're giving me responsibility, but you're still kind of behind my shoulder whispering, this is how you need to do it. This is what we don't do. That just generates frustration that can then give birth to disenchantment. And if men and women have leadership gifts, if they're continually stifled in the author- in appropriate authority, they'll look elsewhere for a place where they can grow in that, that holy mix of both responsibility and authority. But to me, one of the big deals is frustration, disenchantment, and then you're distracted from what the mission is all about. Yeah. Like you, th- th- this is the surest way, church family, to lose a generation. Absolutely. Right? Dump a bunch of responsibility, but try to retain control. Yes. I think about Jesus' words in Luke 5, where he says, new wine, 
must be stored in new wineskins. The first generation in empowering a second generation with responsibility has got to be willing to appreciate that new people will probably do things in new ways. Absolutely. And so it's a first generation responsibility to also transfer some authority yeah. with that corresponding responsibility Absolutely. to allow new wineskins to emerge from the hearts of this new wine yeah. passion. And, and what happens at times with first generation people, they become so tethered to that wineskin. Yeah, that way. That, that way, tradition. that tradition, that yeah. preference, that whatever. A month ago, just over a month ago, I think I shared this with you in another conversation I preached at the second last service of the church where I grew up in St. Catharines, and the next week they closed their doors after 88 years. Wow. And a big part, they weren't willing to do the wise, appropriate transfer. They had seasons of that, but in the last chapters, they stopped doing yeah, that. The first generation people retained control. Retaining control. Yeah. yeah. The flip side is also true because I know emerging gen people, at least when I was emerging gen, you know, you were you were tantalized by the authority, yeah, yeah. but sometimes emerging gen people, they want that voice, they want that influence, they want that seat at the table, but they want mom and dad to pay for yeah, it, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. They, they, they want, yeah. you know, they don't want to assume the, the, the responsibility. To talk about what happens in that dynamic when the breakdown is on the second generation. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, again, frustration is bound to happen, which can lead to the conflict of, the first generation, they can start to question themselves and going, okay, we've been doing some transfer. We've been giving the keys, but they don't want to do some of the core responsibilities. And then they can grapple with, so how do we deal with that? If we try to take the keys back, then we risk losing a generation. So again, I think there can be that frustration level, that distraction from the mission. Um, and it can be polarizing generations. Yeah. That's a huge thing too. Yeah. And again, I saw that in the church I was raised yeah. in, that there was a lack of mutual humility and learning from each other and appropriate respect being given. Yeah, on the one hand, you lose a generation. On the other hand, you blow up a church. Absolutely. You know, I think about in the in the chronology of the, the history of the kings of Israel, right? You have King yeah. Saul, then King David, then his son Solomon. Well, then Solomon's son, Rehoboam, takes over and the the leaders or the other existing leaders from Solomon's generation yeah. they say hey we're going to provide you a little bit of advice yeah. and Rehoboam considers that advice it says in 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 13 it says after considering it Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and only consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him yeah, yeah. so i'm going to I'm going to track with my buddies. I'm going to ignore yeah. first generation wisdom. And that, if you follow the chronology of the history of the kings of Israel, that's when the, the, yeah. the, the, uh, the monarchy divided. Ab right? and, and you had a permanent yeah. split and blow up yeah. among God's people. And, and when you think about it, Jeff, that one of the core analogies in the New Testament describing the church is the family of God. Yeah. And so when there's not that appropriate transfer from first to emerging with those well-being-lived-out responsibility authority, it can be a breeding ground for disenchantment, frustration, but even more tragic, division and polarity. And there can be levels of disenchantment all over the place. And the older people, the first generation going, we will never take 
that risk again. Yeah. And the younger people saying, if that's how we're going to be treated by, you give us jobs, but you don't give us authority, we're not going to sign up to serve. Yeah. And then they can walk away. Yeah. So w- with all of that backdrop, what, what's the point here in, in introducing kind of where we're going as a church this July instead of our typical kind of outside voices in our It Takes a Village series? With that spirit of wanting to be a generational transfer community with support from first generation people like yourself and maybe second generation people uh, like me, although as your wife says, you're a year away from 70 and I'm a year away from 50. Yeah, yeah. So just say that out yes, loud from yeah, who we yeah. thought we were back at Harvest Man, Barn. Yeah, we're not at the picnic table. We're not at the but picnic we're a, table we're anymore. good tables. <laughs> we are going to launch in to a four-week series, five, I guess, if you include this conversation, but a four-week series where four of these emerging gen leaders from our community are going to do the preaching. And they're going to do the preaching live in each of our locations each week. So that's going to be a bit weird for us as a church because different communicators are going to be live at different locations each week, including a version in our online service. So the order won't be consistent at each location. So if you're in Welland and you've got friends in Vineland or St. Catharines and are asking them how Sunday went, appreciate that the Sunday will have gone different because it'll be yeah. a different communicator there. But we are going to have uh, four live uh, or three live communicators plus the online service, four people who are going to rotate around through the four weeks of the month of July and share some of these fresh perspectives. And they're not just any four random 18 to 29, to 29 year olds. They're four emerging gen people in our church family who have assumed and demonstrated some faithfulness in carrying some responsibility for different aspects of the work of our church family. Yeah. So these are in some way proven, yeah. you know, faith Faithful leaders in our community that we're giving a greater degree of voice to, and we are just so excited about this. So as you've, in just a couple months, got to meet some of these people and and kind of watch this process birth, how are you feeling about this? Well, I think it's tremendous because, again, this is is a tangible evidence, Jeff, of some of that transfer mentality with intention. It's about investing. It's about building up and And I know when talking with a couple of the ones that are speaking, they are so excited and passionate. So not just an emotional, you know, energy, it's there, but also a thoughtful drive to share messages that are meaningful to them. So I think this is tremendous. This is going beyond the rhetoric of generational, you know, interaction to now here are some tangible activities and people involved. And I love what you said too, and I think very wise, that these weren't just random. It wasn't like, who would like to do this deal? And you, you know, a bunch of people put their hands up. There has to be that degree of first generation, thoughtful and grace-filled, but wise assessment where you're saying that they have proven themselves, not in a performance guilt-driven kind of a way, but they've just shown by character and contribution they care about the kingdom of God. They are committed to this church. And I think that, again, first and, you know, in your case, second generation, supporting that and giving opportunity, that is, that's a game changer. Yeah, yeah. So, community, I hope that uh, as you gear up for the month of July, you're not just excited to kind of attend on Sundays and hear what, you know, sort of Joe or Josephine Preacher has to say. I hope that you understand what, what you're trying, what we're trying to enter you into here 
you know, from the movement of God through the history of not just our local community, but, you know, through his people for generations after generation to, to try to participate in together, you know, some of the, the, the early stages of a new round of, of generational transfer through this series, yeah. kind of launching us into that, that sort of spirit so that we're not just wanting, we're not just wondering like what so-and-so has to say to us, yeah. you know, whether yeah. they sort of measure up or they're yeah. going to be great talks. Right. We've given them really no structure. We've just said, what, what do you feel in your prayer and reflection that God's truth would like to pour through in your personality? And so the, the four talks are very different. There's not necessarily a, a singular theme. They're going to be four really, really fantastic talks that we hope uh, you'll show up for and encourage these young leaders week in and week out as we experience kind of this experience for the month of of generational transfer together. And with that, John, like, you know, knowing how much of an encourager you've been to my generation of emerging leaders and now to another generation of our church's emerging leaders, um, you know, if there's any final thought that you have for, for, for our community as a whole to kind of embrace this vision and this value, you know, give us your one shot. Well, I think that, you know, what I would say is that Southridge's history, you know, from what I know over the last 25 years, you've taken those steps of generational transfer. You've taken the risk. You've made the stretch. Keep on doing that thoughtfully and prayerfully. I plan to be at a couple of the services. I want to cheer these young people on as well. Remember, People invested in your story, in your journey, and now you have this amazing opportunity to be an encouraging voice, a listening voice, a supportive voice. And I love your word of embracing this. This isn't just four young people filling in for the month of July. Like in kind of a... It is giving us a month off. It's, and you know what? And that's, hey, there can be multiple benefits to wise decisions. But I think it's it's part of a... An ongoing deal, that psalm reference about from generation to generation, that kind of thoughtful, fruitful transfer doesn't happen by chance, but by wise, intentional choices. So people of Southridge, keep doing what you've been doing and be praying for these younger people and and support them. There's excitement, there's nervousness, and so cheer them on and remembering why you're doing this. And I think, Jeff, you've just set that up really clearly in this conversation. And so I just encourage you all, embrace it in community together. And I believe as you do, God will make this an incredibly meaningful and fruitful era moving forward. Yeah, fantastic. Listen, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for not just your recent investment, but your historical investment. I've told you many times privately and in some publicly that yeah. in addition to Harbor, in addition to Redeemer, in addition to some of those other church environments, in addition to the pastors that you're mm-hmm. coaching, our church is part of your mm-hmm. spiritual and kingdom legacy for you and Peggy and the investments that you've continued to make over the the, the decades, really. Uh, and it's great to see you be able to celebrate and enjoy yeah. some some pride and some, some of that fruit yeah. for yourself. So thanks so much for being here. Yeah. Let me close in prayer. I hope you're excited about the month ahead. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to be a spiritual family mm-hmm. and uh, to not just be individual rescued children of yours, as incredible as that is, but to be bound together by your spirit and led by you to be a a community that can together embody and incarnate your life and love in the world. 
We thank you for the opportunity to grow in some really significant ways in this next month through some fresh perspectives of your truth poured through the personalities of younger emerging leaders in our community. And I pray, as John has encouraged us, that uh, we would rally around and support these people and just be the kind of environment that cheers one another on to love and good deeds. Uh, you've been so faithful in being that community to us in the past, and we're really excited to experience your faithfulness in this next month. So I pray that you would fill us with expectation and joy and uh, just help us to launch in to a great summer season. We love you and we thank you again for this opportunity to be a church family together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.